Yo, welcome to Ravens Recap. Alex here. Me and my mom are going to the game today. How you doing? We're about to walk in. Can't miss these introductions with the flashing lights, fireworks, etc. Offense, baby. Steve Smith Sr. as the legend of the game. Can't wait to do it. It's Alec and Chris. What's up, everybody? We're about to walk in. Line's looking all right. But here's a bold prediction for you. Didn't say it for the show. I think the stars will be out start of the second half. Chris, your thoughts? That's really bold, man. I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't do that one. <laughs> That's probably why I didn't make the show. <laughs> to the players, to the coaches, to the fans, uh, the Ravens are the AFC North champs, and we're very proud of that. That's a great accomplishment. Uh, it's a great division, and, uh, and uh, it's our first goal. It's, not, it's not, our, not our top goal, but it's our first goal. So we're, uh, we're proud of that. That's done. We'll move on, and uh, we'll get to work. Welcome back to Ravens Recap. We, it's been a bit since the Ravens last played, since they didn't play over the weekend, but it was another big win, 42-21. to 21. And now we can finally say that the Ravens are the 2019 Kings of the North, Woo-woo. which was predicted by two out of three of the members of this podcast back when we first started. For those of you who have been longtime listeners, I will admit, that <laughs> I was like, wait a second. It <laughs> was not me. <laughs> but I did predict that the Ravens would make the playoffs this year. But man, I don't know about you guys, but I was thinking back to that episode while watching the game, and I was saying that I did not think that the roster the Ravens had this year had the ta- collective talent level of a team that could win at least 12 games. And now here we are, and... At worst, this team finishes 12-4, and four, and they're probably going to finish a lot better than that. Well, Peter, you aren't totally wrong, because this team has transformed a lot, as we discussed over the progress of the show. But I do think that there was more talent on the team at the beginning of the year than you probably anticipated. Kind of both were true. And don't feel so bad, Peter. I mean, come on. You're... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Peter, I have, <laughs> I have an admission for next episode that I, I don't want to say out loud, but I, I have to own up to it. So, Gotcha. I don't... <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get there. <laughs> I don't feel bad about it, man, but I've just, I'm just so pleasantly surprised by this team. I mean, I thought there was an outside shot they could have this good a year, but... And we've heard it from several Ravens fans. I've heard it from fans at games, um, just talking to people throughout the week. Al Lamar has grown way faster than we were expecting. Even if you look at just from the first half of the season to the second half of the season, and we're going to get to it in the, the episode later this week when we talk about the Browns and what's changed with this team. But ever since the bye week, like, well, not the bye week, you know, we keep pl- talking about that play in Seattle, that drive where... He told Harbaugh the team had to go for it. Like, something's flipped then, and it's just been a meteoric uh, rise since then. Yeah, it's been absolutely great. And, uh, I mean, to, to cap it off, too, of just, you know, Lamar's had an outstanding season just from, a, like, an individual perspective. So, I mean, this game was huge just for the fact that Lamar broke the fixed record of most rushing yards by a quarterback in the season and he did it at the bank, just like Alec wanted. Yes, sir. Okay, so the people behind me, right? He goes off of that 20-yard run. I'm like, oh, he has to be close. And then we're, like, getting pretty hyped. I thought he was going to break right on that run. And then the next run, I think he tied it. So I was like, oh, I think that might be it. That might be it. And then we got word that it was tied. And then the second he started running and he got that first down, we went nuts. It was a lot of fun. I think the people around me knew that the record was going to get broken, but uh, weren't ready or uh, like for it to be so quick in the game and i was actually recording every single uh <laughs> every single play in the first series to try to capture you know that moment so oh so close 20 yards almost a record go That's it. Now that's the record. That was a tie. Now we got the record. Now we got it. Now I got the record. MVP. 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 
what was it, 85 yards, capped off with a Mark Ingram touchdown run, and Lamar Jackson, first possession, breaking the all-time quarterback running record for a season. Unfortunately, they didn't announce it until the commercial break, and I missed it in the recording to get like the very beginning of it. It was also like really subtle. Didn't you feel that way, Chris? Yeah, to be honest, if I didn't know that the crowd was cheering at the time, I wouldn't have known that he broke the record. Yeah, as you said, it wasn't announced when it happened during the game. It just sort of, it was another play. And actually, the the one thing about that play, too, is that that was a shot that Lamar took that he doesn't usually take those big of hits, but it just so happened the one that he broke the record, he like took the biggest hit of the season. Yeah, it was it was kind of weird. The fans like kind of reacted. It was a delayed reaction to him breaking the record. It wasn't immediate after the play, and then, like I said, it was like during the commercial break they announced it. Really quiet. It's like sometimes like you hear it on the announcement like much much louder, right? You feel like it's really a moment. Didn't really feel that way for that. Right. So maybe maybe Lamar asked for it to be that way because you know he's he barely responded to it. He barely even reacted. He like looked up at the scoreboard. He's like, oh yeah. And he just you know, kept on looking at the film or whatever the heck he was doing on the sideline. Oh, yeah. Proceeds to throw for five touchdowns in a game while also <laughs> breaking, you know, breaking this record. Insane. Absolutely right. insane. Hey, it's just that the whole team is just has such so much bigger plans for the rest of this year. The goal is, as a collective team, so much higher than just what this guy gets as a record. Man, so let's let's talk about this game Lamar had because... Just another another five touchdown game, his third of the year. Yet he did it in a way that, like, I don't know about you guys, but it just like it just didn't seem that impressive because he's already <laughs> done it this year. And it is just like you know, it's it's him against a subpar defense. He's doing what he should do, but yet still in in a year where we've seen the the Falcons knock down both the the Saints and the Forty ers like even though that's what he should do in that game, that still speaks volumes because any given Sunday or Thursday, an upset can happen. He was throwing a touchdown every three throws, or three completions rather, every four and change throws. And a lot of his touchdowns came, and I'm going to include the Hollywood not touchdown as well. A lot of his touchdowns came on really long passes, you know, 25 plus yards, which I think is really one of his most deadly ranges. They talked about that, I think, a week or two ago on the press conferences. That is where Lamar seems to really have great accuracy, and he really is able to deliver in that range of field pretty frequently. Yeah, and it's definitely something that we've been missing the past few weeks with the subpar weather. It's, I mean, it's something that we noted in the previous recap episodes that you know we just weren't taking as many big shots down the field be able to stretch it out. We were wondering like, okay, where's Hollywood? Where's Seth Roberts? You know, why aren't we running some of these sort of deep routes to stretch the defense out? And, you know, one was just, <laughs> it was pouring rain. He can barely grip the football. And the other one was, you know, apparently there's a lot of wind in Buffalo. So it's definitely great to see that cold games don't bother the llama. You know, as long as the, you know, the weather, weather's fair or, you know, it's not abnormally bad, you know, he can still rip the football and, and place it where he needs to. Yeah, and I think it just builds off what we said last week. You know, we we talked about okay, this offense didn't eclipse thirty points. The horror, you know, the previous two weeks, and we were like, okay, well, it's hard with that because of the decreased practice time, like we said, to keep players fresh. It's just some defense is trying to starting to figure this offense out a bit, and it's like, no, this offense is still the same. It's just that when you play a better defense, it's going to be harder to get those points. The Thursday night game definitely showed that this team's still clicking the way it was earlier. It's just that against a tougher competition that has better talent to scheme against Lamar, points are going to be a little harder to come by. But still, when you're still scoring 20 to 25 points in those games, like the offense is still doing pretty well. <laughs> right. I don't want to be a Debbie Downer here, but I was actually kind of disappointed and still to this day a little disappointed how this game played out. I know that's kind of ridiculous for doubling another team's score, you know, another football team. We beat them by three scores. But I guess it was because this game could have been a lot closer if it wasn't for the defense getting a clutch fourth down stoppage really deep into their red zone and also an interception to end the half where they were driving. 
I kind of, I don't know, guys. Maybe I'm just being pessimistic here, but that plus the special teams play, both those things, they made me a little more concerned. I'm still kind of concerned. I love what's happening right now, and I don't want to get. <laughs> I don't know. Like I just want to. I want to see it all happen. I want everything to go according to plan. <laughs> and I'm getting a little nervous sometimes when I see like, you know, because that kind of play against a better team might result in a, a loss. You know. I'll just say, let's suppose that Chuck Clark doesn't get that INT at the end of the first half. So the Jets probably score a field goal on that drive. Going into the third quarter, the score is thirty-five to ten. I get what you're saying, but yeah, I, I know, I know, I know, <laughs> I know, I know. I shouldn't be so concerned. I, I, I wouldn't even say I am super concerned. I just don't want to get so caught up in the five touchdowns and the incredible Lamar day and Ingram being a beast and everyone having great individual performances and forget about some of these other things that happened during the game. That's all. I do get what you're saying, though, to an extent. I kind of viewed the Thursday night game as like the victory lap for this team and what they've done in this regular season, which in a way it definitely was because they secured the AFC North title. Unless they lose their last two games, they're going to get a first round bye, and they just need to win one of their next two games to get the number one seed. So I kind of feel like now like that game was like the celebration of the success this team has had. And now the next two weeks, you've got, you've got the Browns, a team that, destroyed you there's no other better word for it in the fourth week of the season so you've got to take that game seriously if for nothing else than pride and then assuming the Ravens win that game or whether or not the Ravens win against Cleveland so if if they win then obviously if they lose to Cleveland then they have to beat Pittsburgh to, to get the number one seed but then if you beat the Browns as we expect they will then you got to get into the the hard thought process of, okay, how much do you play the starters to obviously don't risk injury, but don't have them out of football shape for so long since you won't be playing a full game for two weeks. Now it's really time to to buckle down and really focus on this Super Bowl run. So every little hole that appears in the boat, you know, you're going to want to stitch that up with as much and many layers of tape as possible. Yeah, and uh, the thing to keep in mind too, Alec, I mean, you know, the things will happen week to week. I mean, fortunately, not every game for us was like the the game that we had against the Rams or the game that we had against the Texans, where in those games, it was like everything seemed to go right. You know, we've had some games that things didn't go our way the whole time. We had a lot of good things that happened, but some things not so good. I mean, for me, I, I kind of chalk this one up, you know, mostly to that. And I mean, we've had such a you know, consistent special teams for such a long time. I mean, even one anomaly, you know, one outlier isn't going to make me super worried. But then again, you know, we'll we'll see what happens next week. If if we have this many, you know, uh, gaffes next week, then, all right, then we'll be a little bit more worried about, you know, our, our outlook. But, you know, it's also some, one thing, too, that we've been talking about this defense as well and that, you know, we've had trouble, oh, defending the outside run. And we've been saying that for weeks and weeks and weeks and, and weeks. But, you know, overall, it's, you know, it's it's still a con- concern. But, like, we've also just been so good and, and executing so well on the offense. It's just kind of like, it, it's like nitpicking, right? <laughs> and teams are going to move the ball. I mean, you're not going to go out every week and blank every opponent you play. Even, you know, sometimes you play a struggling Jets team on Thursday night football and they score a touchdown in the first quarter, sorry, the second quarter. And then in the fourth quarter, they get lucky and get a block punt and a garbage time touchdown. Like I, I would have liked to see the defense be a little more shut down. You know, we love to see the shutouts sometimes during the season. They give you a sense of confidence in the, in what the ceiling of the defense is. But at the same time, like, I mean, in 2017, I'd have to look it up, but didn't the Ravens have have multiple shutouts that year? Like almost three, I want to say. And then that team didn't even make the playoffs. Like that team was like so dominant against against second string caliber quarterbacks, and those teams couldn't gain a yard against that defense. But then they played against elite quarterbacks like um, you know, Ben Roethlisberger or gosh, who else did they play that year? I mean, not elite, but Matt Stafford had a really good game against them, tore apart that secondary. And I mean, this year's team, yeah, they're not 
they haven't had a shutout all year. And sometimes they let out a little more points than you would expect they would to the opponent. But this defense is propping up a 12-2 and team. I do get the frustration from fans that like, oh man, this is, there's been no shutouts this year. And this definitely seemed like a game that there should have been a shutout. But I think like at the same time, while shutouts are fun during the week they happen, it's kind of like a no hitter in baseball. Like long-term, it doesn't really mean too much. Well, let's encapsulate all the negativity or most of it. Let's talk about the special teams in, in full. So what are we talking about when we say the special teams were a little off? Well, the block punt like we mentioned, the kick coverage was lackluster, in my opinion. And I think what's interesting about that is it was addressed in the postgame. Tucker can't just kick the ball out of the end zone anymore because of the colder and colder weather. The ball's becoming harder and harder to kick to that distance. So that's something to pay attention to. The missed extra point attempt by Tucker, I'm not too worried about that. Just it did happen. And here's one that I thought was really interesting. Back to back to back penalties on the fourth quarter punt. Now, I know the game was out of hand at that point, and they were just kind of going through the motions, but delay of game, offsides, and then I think a holding. (sighs) Can't see all that. The one shining light in special teams that our boy, Project Pat, with the blocked field goal. Love to see that. Yeah, no, I agree with what you're saying. I mean, the kickoff coverage all night was poor. You never want to see a block punt. Love seeing our boy, Pat Ricard prove that he can play all three phases of the NFL game. But yeah, the uncharacteristically bad night for one of the best, I think actually by some metrics, has been ranked the best special teams unit in the league. So I don't know if the short week has something to do with it because it just seems like such an outlier for this unit. But yeah, definitely something to keep an eye on. And uh, good point with... um, the colder weather making that football harder and it's not going to be you're not going to see as many touchbacks once the the playoffs start no i know he wasn't really a problem with the special teams yesterday but i have to say it's the more i'm watching this guy the more i'm a little disappointed but d'anthony thomas i tell you what we're really not getting that much production of this guy you know it seems like most of what you know what he does is kind of just fair catch the ball and he's had a couple returns but not a whole lot to really be excited about. You know, unfortunately, he didn't fumble this game. But, you know, I just got to say, like, you know, was it the right move? I'm not sure. Supposedly, this guy had some big returns when he was in Kansas City. But, yeah, I agree. I think, despite the fact that Cyrus Jones had some fumbling issues, he seemed like a better returner to me. Heck, Chris Moore is a better returner. I'm not sure why we're not, we haven't been running him back as a punt returner or a kickoff returner this year. I mean, we're not using him as a wide receiver, and he's really not that good at that anyway. So it seems kind of odd that we're just using him on the defensive side of special teams. Since we are mentioning Cyrus, we'll just uh, wish him good luck through, I don't know if you guys saw, apparently he had uh, open heart surgery over the weekend. Oh, wow. Yeah, I did see that. I I was having a hard time figuring out why he was having it now. Because uh, apparently he did get picked up by Denver. Uh, he hasn't played for Denver yet, but it's apparently something he's had since birth. And the doctors decided now was the time to do that. So it seems like he's fighting based on the Instagram post that he made and is at least taking it in stride. But definitely best of wishes to that guy that uh, that the surgery and the recovery go well. Yeah, definitely. Let's take it back a second, though. Back to Chris Moore. I think that one uh, take you brought up, Peter, about you know why not why we're not using him on the return game. I feel like maybe that was kind of injury related. I mean, I recall he had a I think it was a thumb injury a couple of weeks ago. So I mean, that's probably one reason we haven't put him in. It's just we don't even know if he can catch the ball without a bunch of pain. <laughs> you know, I, I will say from yesterday, I you know as a guy who usually stands out on special teams for making some big plays and things like that. I gotta say, I really didn't see a lot of big plays from him yesterday, which made me a little disappointing. He was on a couple of, you know, plays as he was the gunner, and it seemed like he ran by the guy. He missed a couple of tackles. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, to be fair, it wasn't just him. I mean, there were 
plenty of other missed tackles. I think Levine had one. Bowser had another one, at least I saw on special teams. Justice Hill kind of had the same issues. He was on the opposite side on, on a couple of those plays as well. One thing I was a little bit curious about, I don't know whether you guys noticed, but I know that there were a handful of special team snaps where I saw Levine actually as a gunner. And I I honestly I can't remember if I've if I've seen him as a gunner. I would I would think no, because I've usually seen him as a punt protector. At least if they're actually punting the ball away, and I would assume if you're defending on a punt that you would also kind of keep him toward the line. I, I do you guys know any did you see anything about that? I did not notice that he was in the gunner position. And I'll admit I, I, I don't pay as close attention to which players are where on the on punt coverage as as other plays but but yeah I that does seem like a bit of an odd move especially because you do have faster guys like like Chris Moore and, and Justice Hill not saying that speed is the only thing required of that position but maybe because it's a uh, because the Ravens have pretty much everything wrapped up by this yeah. point in the short week, maybe they were just trying to see some different guys at different positions, just kind of see how that worked. That's something we haven't discussed, and I, I was thinking as you were talking, Peter, is that perhaps the Ravens used this Jets game as an opportunity to try out some things because they thought, you know what, we're probably going to have it under control, we could try out some things, and maybe they just were awful failed experiments. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, it seems kind of weird to do that with a guy like Levine, who's been around for right. quite a long time yeah i mean you know you kind of know what he offers but i actually i did look a handful of so if you guys want to go on game pass later you can look at it but actually the first uh punt by the jets in the first quarter you can see levine toward the bottom of the screen and there are also other uh handful ones i think in the first quarter that you can look at certainly i don't think it was his fault you know you can't <laughs> attribute it to just one guy but uh yeah it was just one of those things i noticed i'm just like huh that's kind of weird <laughs> so you do bring up a good point, Alec, of, you know, in these games where it seems like it's going to be a win, you know, try out some different players at different positions because you don't never know what's going to happen injury-wise. I do think we have to talk a bit about how two players did for different reasons, both somewhat injury-related. I think we got to talk about how James Hurst stepped in for his first start of the season to take over for Ronnie Stanley, who was out with a concussion. Ronnie Stanley, him of the Pro Bowl worthy season and also talk about how Mark Andrews came back from his injury that had him exit the Bills game early and in my opinion really show like nothing ever happened <laughs> yeah I mean overall uh, James Hurst I think he did fine it's one of those games where he, I don't think he was uh, picked on all that much he seemed to hold his own you know as, as far as I concerned you know, he had a, a pretty good game filling in for Ronnie. Um, hopefully Ronnie's able to come back, clear concussion protocol for the Browns game and, you know, finish off the, the year strong. But I certainly feel better uh, now seeing Hurst in there for a game that, you know, if, if Ronnie had to miss, you know, another game or, or something, we would be okay. But yeah, a- Andrews, you bring up him as well. <sighs> Man, he he's such a good player. <laughs> he just had an absolute field day just against the Jets he's just so good at finding soft spots in the zone and you know you once you see Lamar find him and you gets him the ball it's like he's got no one around him and he's just guaranteed another like 10 15 20 yards or more you know just because he's so open and then he can just make plays he's pretty fast he's pretty big he can knock over tacklers uh, he's just as much as I love watching Hayden Hurst and seeing him succeed, uh, it's it's hard also not to root for a guy like Andrews but just because he's so good. Talk about knocking people over. Let's talk about the grown-ass man, Hayden Hurst. First play of the offensive series, the first possession. He was just knocking people over, like three tackles, just bursting off him. He really did look like Thor in that play. Yes, that was awesome. I'm glad you mentioned that, Alec. Yeah, that was, that was a hell of a way to open the game. We got to say that from him too, right? I mean, just we we really got to find a way to to take advantage of all these weapons. I mean, we've been talking about it for weeks of like, you know, who aside from Mark Andrews and Hollywood Brown's going to step up on this team? Some people have. Seth Roberts has also been a really good weapon for us who stepped up. And now Hayden Hurst is also stepping up. And, you know, it's just we want to continue to see Lamar try to find these guys to be able to take advantage of all the weapons that we do have because, you know, clearly they have potential. Yeah, I totally agree. Seth Roberts, it was great to see him have a really good game on Thursday. 
led all receivers for the Ravens, three catches for 66 yards, I believe, and that that 33-yard touchdown. That Seth Roberts touchdown, I think, ensures my DraftKings money. But yeah, I mean, just getting back to to Andrews, it's just it's just so evident the chemistry between him and Lamar. There was that that fourth down play. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it was like fourth and fourth and one, and he finds yeah. him for that like 30-yard uh, right. completion. Exactly, and that was a that was a busted play. I mean, Andrews initial route was just a, a slant over the middle and he gets to the sideline. Lamar's still running and he just finds that the open spot in the defense and Lamar just, just flicks it to him for that easy completion and big gain. That was a huge play right there. And then there was another play that it was actually Andrew's first catch of the game at the offset. It doesn't really seem like that big of a play. Cause I think he caught like a five yard pass and, ran for another four, and he was down, short of the first down by a yard. But when I was watching the, the replay of the game, I kept, I, I rewatched that that simple play like like five or six times because if you watch Andrews, like he goes out on that route, and I don't know if it, it might have been an option he had there, but you can tell he's reading the the middle linebacker. He sees that the linebacker's eyes are on Lamar, so he he stops the route about, five yards from the line of scrimmage and he's kind of you can tell he's kind of inching his way way forward before Lamar even throws him the ball and he just puts himself in such a great position that he's able to turn and and get those extra yards where I feel like some wide receivers who might not have that good of a vision on how to get open now look at that I'm calling him a wide receiver he's a tight end but (laughs) uh, (laughs) may have only had only gotten you know they would have caught the ball and, and not gotten that additional yardage I just saw that play and I was just like really seeing like the, a little thing that that guy's doing that's separating him from being a, a good from a great player or he is a great player, but a good player would have just stopped right there. A great player had such a sense of getting open. I thought it was cool to watch that. Some of these, these smaller moments, they're easier to to pick up on in these uh, blowout games. (laughs) In the true fashion of a blowout, Lamar kind of picked on his boy, Andrews in the postgame presser he was you know taking some credit for that pass that he missed where he was wide open it would have been another touchdown for him but he was also like he looked a little fatigued <laughs> he didn't get under <laughs> as, as much as I thought he would <laughs> that's funny they're having fun oh man I tell you man it's nice you know Thursday it's a weird game but it seems like the guys are able to take a little bit of vacation here and they're not reporting until tomorrow which will be Tuesday to their normal you know, practice routines. So I saw some of them were in New York. Some of them are taking other trips and just kind of relaxing, getting healthy, both uh, you know physically and also mentally for this end of season grind. And some of them are are staying up late. We got a shout out to our guy Nick Boyle. Congrats! Uh, I don't know if you guys saw. He rushed to the the hospital after the game. His uh, he's a first time dad. So congrats to the Boyles on that. That's awesome. And how can we also for- talk about Mark Andrews and forget? You know, earlier he tied the Ravens' single-season record for most touchdowns in, by a tight end the season. He eclipsed that with that touchdown that originally was called mm-hmm. back, and then the Jets com- oh, proceeded man. to jump off sides like four times in a row or something ridiculous like that. Yeah. And then still throw it to Andrews, and he gets the touchdown, breaking the record that was shared by him, Todd Heap, and sorry to our guy Dennis Pitta, a couple weeks ago when Andrews tied the record, we said that it was Heaps alone. Apparently, both Pitta and Heap had had seven touchdowns in a season, but now Mark Andrews stands alone with the Ravens record for eight in one season. Yeah, like I don't, I don't know if uh, <laughs> if you have the same reaction at the stadium, but I, I remember that sequence of plays, and uh, <laughs> I thought it was such a poor call by... The uh, the refs to to not notice that our our one lineman had reported as eligible, and I I just I love it because the the three or so plays after that one play but before Andrews had caught uh, the touchdown for the second time, it seemed like every play basically they had to loudly announce over the the speakers like number seventy is reporting as eligible. I'm like, did you hear it, refs? Did you hear it? <laughs> yeah, you know it was frustrating. And I was really hoping to get an FU celebration from uh, Andrews. I guess I'm just petty and a child like that. But uh, <laughs> when he did score that touchdown, I just wanted him to be like, screw you, refs, I'll do it again. You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, 
I was frustrated. I do say it was a bold strategy when they're on the one yard line just to keep <laughs> moving it up a couple inches each time. But Yonda got pissed off when they did that. Oh man, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, he was like, he was chewing out that one young Jets defender. He was like, man, it was just, it was just like the old old guard just like shaking his head very violently at this young guy, and he was just like. What the hell are you doing? <laughs> that was fun to see. <laughs> He's like, you do that again, and you see me after the game. <laughs> yeah, that was definitely an interesting series. I, I think the other two guys we need to talk about, receivers today, I thought Hollywood and Seth Roberts both had huge games for us on Thursday night. Both of those guys, I, I think Hollywood, for, for most of the game, had a couple of those underneath passes Fortunately, we were able to get him more involved uh, in the passing game. Had a couple of nice catches and, and picked up a couple of yards here or there. Weren't really going for first downs, but had some good small like chunk plays. But man, oh man, that touchdown catch that he had, he just showed off perfect footwork. It was toe-tap drag. Toe-tap drag, man. He... I mean, he's showing us, like, you know, we know we talked about this guy not knowing if he's completely healthy or not, but... Damn man, when he's on, he's on, and he looks good. It's just, it's awesome to see, given our uh, our, our track record of of drafting receivers. <laughs> it feels good to think that we've probably got a hit in Hollywood. I think he's definitely a hit. I mean, agreed. Like I said last week, it's kind of a question as to how full, full, at full strength this guy is, and he definitely does need to get a bit stronger to take on these bigger NF- uh, bigger hits from NFL defenders, which I definitely believe the Ravens training staff will help him do in the coming seasons. But this guy is going to be a Pro Bowl player sooner rather than later. He's going to have a 1,000-yard seasons. This is just the a taste of what this guy is going to be later on in his career. Not to be the Debbie Downer, but... Brashard Perryman got more, or as many touchdowns as he even no. in one game with Tampa Bay. <laughs> Against, he won a lot of people's fantasy teams. Oh, man. I don't <laughs> want to talk about it. Against Detroit, though, I mean, come on. If he had nine <laughs> touchdowns, I'd be impressed. He had three. Big whoop. <laughs> oh, man. And yeah, all the receivers felt like flies anyways on that game. So Evans was already out, and then Godwin got carted off. Exactly. I mean, you know, <laughs> Winston has to throw it to throw it to someone in, against the, the Lions' revolving door. I mean... It's just whoever happens to be there. And remember, Winston's going to throw the ball if it's if it's open or not. He doesn't care. Those those interception stats, he doesn't care about them. No, he doesn't. Well, let's uh, talk about one last point. I thought this was interesting. At halftime, guys, who had more yards? It actually was the Jets. 199 versus 188 yards. And I just thought it was really interesting because the score was so dramatically different. But the way that that happened was, uh, I guess, just a really efficient play by the Ravens. Uh, the Jets, very inefficient. <laughs> you know, lots of <laughs> lots of yards, not that many scoring. I will say it was an interesting game plan. It felt to me, watching the game, that we had cornerbacks playing pe- press coverage and a lot more linemen and safeties around the line of scrimmage than we usually have on average per game. It felt like a really aggressive defensive game plan against Darnold, which was kind of interesting. We didn't talk about it in the preview episode, but, you know, Darnold actually was, though he struggled against the Blitz early in the season, I don't have the exact stats up in front of me right now, but over the past four or five weeks, he's actually been one of the better NFL passers against the Blitz. And I think he kind of showed that on Thursday. I mean, the Ravens certainly had an interception and a sack, but, I mean, not really he didn't really perform as poorly as you would have you would have thought for a starting quarterback with on a team with as bad a record as the Jets had. So I do think like some of, of that was inflated a bit by the Ravens being more aggressive than they probably should have been. Because when you're aggressive like that, I mean you're gonna you're susceptible to plays being bigger gains than they would be if you were playing a more balanced scheme. That's my view of it. But I think it was definitely a, an interesting look for that game. Yeah, defensively, we had a good bit of missed tackles. That was kind of disappointing to see. And just overall, it did seem a little soft. Just 
again, how many yards they were able to rack up on us. And it was kind of bend, don't break, but it got a little dicey there. Yeah, overall, it, I, don't, I don't know if it was bend or don't break because it, it's not like they were consistently moving the ball against us. It, it was kind of like you had some plays that would go for nothing or you'd have uh, some really bad incompletions. And then some plays would just be big chunk plays and they would move the chains and, and keep you know keep going. I mean, Darnold was only 18 for 32. That's just over 50%, uh, at least on his completion rating. And Bell, while you wouldn't think it, actually averaged a little bit over four yards a carry, 21 attempts, 87 yards. But again, yeah, it was, it was some plays that bottled him up at the line. Pekka was actually one guy who had a lot of uh, really great uh, work at the line of scrimmage. Uh, he had a, a number of nice tackles there. I think he actually led the team, if I'm not mistaken. He did, yep. Yeah, he had six combo tackles, which led the team. Yeah, talk about another great midseason pickup. Uh, we were a little bit unsure of this guy because we picked him up uh, with Justin Ellis from the Raiders, and I guess we weren't sure which one of the two of them would produce, but now after a couple of weeks having both of them, I could say Pecco I think was the better signing. So that brings up us to an interesting topic. We'll get back to mm-hmm. how the <laughs> Ravens played defensively in this game because there's definitely still some more things to talk about, but... As Chris said, you know, Pecco and Ellis were both brought in when Michael Pierce went down for injury, you know, to play that defensive end position that he plays. And Pecco has most certainly distanced himself from Ellis as the guy to spell Pierce now that Pierce is, is working his way back from injury, which kind of, you know, makes Ellis a bit expendable in the opportunity that <laughs> a better pass rusher might come available. You know, as we said, we're recording this Monday, so we're only a couple hours away from an event that had Alec tilting very hard. So, Alec, I don't know if you want to start off with your thoughts on what's happening as we approach this topic. <laughs> well, here, well, here. Hold, hold on, hold on. Let me set this up. Let me set this up. Can then Alec can have his response. So, what we're talking about is, of course, with the Cardinals deciding to release. Our boy T Sizzle Terrell Suggs with two games. Ball yeah. so hard, University Dean. Ball so star- <laughs> on a mutual decision, which is <laughs> on a mutual decision with two games left in the season, and of course Ravens fans everywhere, as we should, be lining up to bring T Sizzle back home to Baltimore. And you know, I <laughs> we talked about it. We talked about it on Friday, and I I have a text. It's in our group chat. I was like, you know what? I don't know. We could. Uh, I think we could drop Ellis and and have T Sizzle take his spot because it's you know I, based on you know how our outside linebackers would play, like no one's that bad anymore. I mean, everyone's really contributing. Jihad Ward's been very good. Bowser's been good. Jalen Ferguson, Matt Judon, obviously. So we have four good guys. So it's not like we're gonna. In the event that we could get T Sizzle to come back home, it's not like we're gonna drop one of those guys. So my thought was. Justin Ellis, we haven't seen much from you the past couple of weeks. You're kind of a luxury depth guy. Maybe we bring T. Sizzle back for one last ride. But it is 9 p.m. on Monday night, a couple hours after the news. So, Alec, why don't you tell him what happened? (sighs) I'll keep it tamed. I'll keep it PG. (laughs) (laughs) But I will say, when I returned to my desk and looked at my phone, because I lost track of time, and I was like, oh, it's, it's past four. What happened? I look at my phone. I I let out a very loud expletive <laughs> in the middle of a cube farm of, of my thoughts about the Kansas City Chiefs, who got the first waiver claim, which is kind of crazy if you think about it. Like they're not a bad team, but everyone else who who bid on him, even better still. So we had the Seahawks, New Orleans Saints, and 49ers also to hate. If we're uh, <laughs> we want to we want to talk about other teams that we also want to get our wrath. But now, because the Chiefs got it, let let you know. If we see you again, we will f- destroy you. <laughs> oh man! Hey, hey, hey! There's still some hope. There's still some hope. The rumor had it a T Sizzle wasn't going to report to to uh, to a camp unless it was in Baltimore. So you know we don't know. Just because they put in a claim, just because they got him, doesn't mean that T-Sizzle's going to actually report, so there might be a chance. <laughs> Does that mean you have to go through waiver claims again and again and again until he finally got to us? <laughs> like, I was I was talking and calling for some goon activity, Antonio Brown style. Get cut. <laughs> Post a video <laughs> saying that you're free. 
Oh, but man. I don't. I don't think it would work out that way. I think if we go to waivers and we have to keep playing this this game until he got to us somehow. We'll see how many how many teams put in waivers. Four, right? Yep. Four total teams. <laughs> There's not enough time. <laughs> There's not well, enough time. Do we do we have to claim them before the end of the season? Not we can't claim them in the playoffs. I imagine you can claim them in the playoffs because. Well, then there you go. I like we got we got five we got five more games. We got five more games. Somebody's already claimed them for this week. We got three other teams, and they're going to still claim them. He comes back for the Super Bowl. <laughs> it can still happen. One last ride. We can't trade for him at this point. I was like, can we trade like a late round pick? <laughs> no. Nah. Oh, man. I was just frustrated. You know, I knew somebody was going to do it because they don't want to see the Ravens get better. They don't want to see us have a spark, even if it was just an inspirational leader. I just think it's a shame. Maybe, you know, I know he's been really involved with film outside of of the NFL, but it'd be cool maybe if he came to mentor a guy like Jalen Ferguson over the offseason somehow. You know, like, I just just thought him and, and Tyus Bowser, like we mentioned, Tyus Bowser, man, he calls a sack, a strip sack this game that Jihad Ward picked up, and I mean, he's really coming into his own the second half of the season. He answered the call. It took a little bit of time, but he's answering the call. He's playing really well. He is, yeah. I mean, he is still sometimes over-pursuing, and when look watching over the game film, I did see some plays where you know the tackles kind of trapped him outside the play, so he was no longer a factor. But still, there were some outside runs that the Jets tried that he swallowed up. He had a really good game on Thursday, rushing the passer. Uh, he was having a lot of success coming in from the outside and, and blitzing up the middle through the garden center. No sacks, but he definitely had two QB hits, and he probably had a couple hurries in addition to that. But yeah, I mean, having a guy like Suggs would definitely help coach him up a bit more. But I mean, at the same time, I'm kind of like, I feel pretty good about where this defense is right now is this the def- am i the most confident in this defense that i've been in a in a team that the ravens have had absolutely not but they're paired with the offense that i've had the most confidence in ever <laughs> so that's a good point i think you, you can't get too caught up on the past i mean we talked about this with some ravens players going in the offseason you know, some fans weren't ready to move on from flacco to lamar and look look what's happened with that eventually like these guys just get I mean, I love Suggs. Suggs is one of my all-time favorite Ravens, but he really did not have a very good year in Arizona. And I don't know if the, how much veteran leadership he could really bring to to this team, what they have right now with with Engram and, and Earl Thomas, who has been also been to a Super Bowl and, and won it. It would be great to see Suggs go out with a ring, but as far as the team's concerned right now, I think they got a lot of of players performing at a high level right now. You're absolutely right. Does this change our chances? No, not really. But what it does do is make me a little sad just because like I could just see the fairy tale all over again. The last ride. Right. Him coming through. Right. Just, you know, put his his hand up, get everyone thrilled, him coming into the bank, flexing his muscles, maybe wearing a mask again, you know? <laughs> like I just want to see all that again. Like I I would have probably cried, you know? <laughs> Like, like legitimately just like teared up in excitement and, and just joy of seeing it. It would have been, it would have been so per- perfect, so picturesque. It's a real shame to see how his last season has gone. It's, it's like Ed Reed all over again, you know, at least he got the, the Super Bowl with us, but you just hate to see it, man. Like you have such a great climax and then you, uh, that's how you end. Uh, just the storyline of his career just is not as awesome as it could have been now. And that just, that's what bums me out. That's true. But I mean, the Ravens offered him a contract in the off season and he chose to go to Arizona. So yeah, I mean, I'm sure we'll find more about it once he uh, finally hangs it up. Look at the real story of why he left. <laughs> right. No, I, I agree with you, Alec. It's, it's more, uh, it's more sentimental at this point than anything. I agree with Peter. I think the team's good where it's at. Man, it, w- it would have been something special if we could repeat that same magic that we had when, when uh, Ray Lewis retired. Because, yeah, that was that was certainly one special offseason or uh, postseason. Do you remember where you were? <laughs> like, I, I remember where I was when I heard Ray Lewis announce his last ride, you know? <laughs> like, I remember that moment going on to NFL.com and uh, you know, Ticket Exchange and buying tickets to the game because I was like, I cannot miss I this, know. you know? Yep. <laughs> the last home game. 
for Ray to be at, like I immediately bought tickets uh, so quickly that I forgot to buy one for my then girlfriend who was very upset about it. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, and, and stuff like that, you know, like I was just like, uh, I was, I was, I was living that nostalgia, like you said. And I was just like, Oh, I want it, I want it to all happen again. And, uh, alas, not, not today. Not yet. Yeah. Let's go back to the rest of the defense guys. I think there's so much to talk about. Like you said, we mentioned it during all that, that Tyus Bowser has really stepped up. Another guy I think that we're not talking about enough, just really high motor, great fit for the team. Jihad Ward, you know, in his third year, he's really starting to come alive. And I think we're going to maybe see that he'd be a contributor on this team for a long time coming now that he's really starting to perform. He's one of my interesting players. You know, he's definitely, like you said, Alec, one of those guys who's really been contributing, particularly in the pass rush. You'd like to see kind of a guy like him just be a little bit more consistent, have a little bit more stats on the on the sheet besides, you know, like QB pressures, because obviously, you know, it's just from watching the tape, you know, he's he's impacting the play. He's he's got a high motor. He's getting after the quarterback. He's just not finishing off on some of these stats. A lot of the same things we said about Tyus Bowser, but I think it's really interesting what he's going to do for the Ravens long term. Is he going to be one of those guys who could eventually become a cornerstone player on this defense, or is he one of those like one year wonder players, like one of our guys who also looked very good a couple of years ago at the pass rush, Willie Henry? Of he was one guy I thought that would have a huge step up this year, and then all of a sudden we find out in training camp that he's not coming back. <laughs> so, regardless, you know, right now Jihad Ward has, has been a really great player for us, but I just think it's really interesting what what's going to happen with him over the next couple of years because it's just going to be fascinating. And sorry, in my excitement, I said three years. He's actually a fourth year player. Just double checked. <laughs> Former second round pick of Oakland, apparently. Yep, forty fourth overall pick. I love to see these kind of stories, these late bloomers. You know, we talk about Perriman and, and whatever, you know. I guess I kind of wish him the best of luck. I, I'm still a little bitter about it, but, <laughs> you know, <I> whatever. Just... <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes players are just bad fits, but also, once again, you know, a breakout game against Detroit. <laughs> he has a look like a total scrub everywhere he's gone, though. Like, you know, he had decent performances in, in Cleveland as well. But he had I guess a decent when... performance in... Uh... 2016 as we've said before it's 2017 for whatever reason he just forgot how to play football yeah but yeah i feel like the past two two seasons he's looked much more like his 2017 self than uh, i mean 2016 self than 2017 right one part of the defense i thought was interesting last game and maybe talks a bit about some of the frustrations you've had with the, the unit alec was i felt like the secondary was had a really hit and miss game like they would make plays, and I, I put down the notes. Man, that was a great job by by Clark picking up the running back as as uh, Smith picked up the receiver on the slant. It's a, it's a seamless transition of assignment that we saw in the first month of the season was giving this defense some fits. And then on a, that same drive, you have that trips wide receiver set, that same play that that the Bills got a touchdown with with Cole Beasley against the Bills. And then even earlier in the season gave Anthony Averett and Maurice Kennedy got burned by the Chiefs. It's like that's still a problem with this team. And not that that's an easy play for them to cover, I can imagine, because it's you got three receivers all running routes over each other right at the line of scrimmage. But still, on that pass that Jamison Crowder was wide open for, I do have it in my notes somewhere. I took so many notes that I took no notes because I can't <laughs> easily navigate them. <laughs> the downside of us having extra taste to prepare for this pod. But I'm pretty sure it was Humphrey and Jimmy both went for Robbie Anderson as he streaked across the end zone, which left Crowder wide open. I don't know which of the two of those guys are supposed to have him. I think it was Humphrey, because Humphrey was shadowing Crowder for the majority of the night. But yeah, that's a play that the Jets had to have seen on film, that that's what the Bills used to get that that touchdown late in the game. And now you've got this opponent, even on a short rest, saw that on film and said, hey, this is a weakness of this defense down in the red zone that we can use to our advantage. So that's something that I think if you want to really nitpick about this defense, that's that's a play that can get this talented secondary still yeah it also makes me wonder in that situation if somebody like Tavon Young would have 
kind of masked all that stuff. Because you got three corners here, all traditional outside guys. And, you know, it just it makes me wonder if, if, if it's maybe because those guys are so used to playing outside or, or matching up against, you know, the deep threats or the, like, number one guys that, like, maybe they're, like, not sure if they should cover, like, some of those shiftier guys in the slot. I, I, I don't know. I mean, they're all professionals. They're all, like, really, really good cornerbacks. It's just... It's just something you look at and you're just like, you know, you know, how could it be this hard? You know, but I, I'm sure there's tons of tons of more factors we're not even considering here, but just one of those head scratchers, you know, that at least fortunately for this game didn't really matter. You know, we only had a, a handful of plays that were made like that, but definitely we don't want to be giving up plays like that to like, you know, Michael Thomas or something because he's going to make you pay. That implies Super Bowl. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> ding, ding. Yeah, he he's playing awesome right now. Correspond K Fish is praying that he continues it up uh, in one of our leagues so he can win. One of the biggest takeaways I had, say with the secondary, is that it was kind of the second game in a row we saw bad Marcus Peters or not as good Marcus Peters. He did make plays, but he missed some tackles. He seemed a little lost on a pass that was just missed by Darnold, but would have been a touchdown otherwise. Again, four day week. I'm not trying to get too uptight about these things, but I just want to point out a few of the things I saw during the game. Yeah, on the bright side from from Peters, I at least saw him. He was making a couple of tackles in the run game as well, coming coming up from that outside spot and and getting in there, and not just you know standing around looking for somebody else to make a tackle. I saw him on the ground a couple times, so that was good to see. Yeah, I actually thought that Peters had a pretty decent game. I mean, it wasn't a perfect game, but I felt that he was uh, pretty aggressive with these receivers, and like you said, Chris really had a good game against the run. Totally forgot to talk about him last week, despite the fact that he had the game-clenching play with that very athletic pass defense against John Brown on that fourth down play by Buffalo. So absolutely, this guy can get burned, but I think despite the fact that he hasn't had an interception in the past two games, still pretty decent showing from this guy. I saw a stat today. I don't know if you guys saw it. Bill Barnwell's column on ESPN. Apparently, since the Ravens have signed or traded for Marcus Peters, the Ravens have allowed the lowest passer rating in the league at 72.5 and lowest yards per attempt as well in 5.8. And with Peters in place, the Ravens are blitzing much more often. And as we've seen, they've gotten been getting more sacks during that time as well. But what's interesting is that despite them having such success with in that uh, phase of the game, what this team is is a, has a huge weakness in apparently, which the Jets didn't exploit, is that they're allowing a passer rating of one hundred and twenty four point two on screen passes, which is good for twenty fourth in the NFL. Really? So that's something. Apparently, yeah, yeah. If you uh, look at the story on ESPN dot com, it's. Uh, entitled Picking Fatal Flaws and Matchups to Avoid for 2019 NFL Playoff Contenders. So apparently Ravens are doing an excellent job in the pass defense until a team sets up a screenplay. You know, that's funny you mentioned that actually because one of the uh, great plays that you saw from our guy Josh Bynes uh, on the Jets game is that he blew up a screen and uh, tackled Bell in the backfield. And I was just thinking to myself, damn, this guy is really good at sniffing out screens. <laughs> Well, Bynes is, but apparently the rest of the team isn't. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of feel like it might be a small sample size because how many screens did we really see against the Ravens this year? I feel like I can't think of that many. And you might be bringing up a a good point there. I mean, the the article doesn't say how often that happens. and, And I feel like when I'm reading a lot of articles this year about teams, especially this past second half of the season where these writers are trying to find weaknesses in this Ravens team. Like it really feels like they're reaching. I, one of the most laughable ones I saw was a couple of weeks ago. And the, the author was trying to explain how, you know, mobile quarterbacks don't do well in the playoffs. So Lamar's game's not going to transfer to the postseason. I'm just thinking in my mind, okay, well, I guess Russell Wilson, Colin Kaepernick, Steve McNair, Cam Newton haven't won playoff games. And then, like, there's more I could list. I was like, what games is this person watching? (laughs) All right, guys. With that, let's go into MVPs. I've got quite a few people I'd like to consider for this, but I'll let you all go first. I've got some as well. 
I'm going to give it to a guy that somehow, I feel like we've gone this whole pod without mentioning, but the train conductor of the Lamar Jackson hype train, uh, Mark Ingram, <laughs> had a great game on Thursday. 13 carries, 76 yards, a touchdown on the ground, as well as a touchdown through the air. I don't know if this guy is going to get you know, voted all pro or anything, but I feel like Lamar doesn't have as good of a year rushing the ball or even passing if this guy is not doing what he does week in and week out, which is just being a very effective power runner that the defense always has to respect. And he always goes unnoticed compared to Lamar just because of the highlights that Lamar is doing. And the guy's the ultimate teammate. Mark Ingram gets my MVP for this week. That's a great pick. I, I absolutely just love that play he had early in the first quarter. He ripped off that 20-yard run or so, and uh, he starts celebrating with Miles Boykin, and then Marshall Yonda comes over and is all hyped up together with him. I, I just love those two guys playing together. It's it's awesome to see. Well, yeah, I got a couple guys as well, but I'll, uh, I'll pick the guy on the top of my list, Seth Roberts. I'm going to give a shout out to him. I thought he had a great game. Uh, mentioned it earlier. He was one of those guys who obviously is been a great blocker for us in the run game but he's made a couple of big plays as well it looks like he actually led the the team in receiving this week uh three receptions 66 yards and a touchdown and boy half his yards came from that one touchdown which was an absolute beautiful route from him and Lamar underthrew the ball a little bit but Roberts was able to come back and and secure the catch in the end zone and uh fun fact it was actually right by the section I was sitting at so I got to see that one up close that was really nice awesome game from Seth I was really close to to also giving it to Hollywood for his touchdown, but uh, I figured I'd show some love for Seth uh, this week, so I give him this week's MVP. That's a great one. I really have liked seeing Seth Roberts come into his own, kind of solidifying himself, in my opinion, as the number two receiver on this team, with Willie Sneed really taking that third slot possession kind of guy. It's nice to see that Roberts is on the team. He's playing really well. My MVP has to go to, I wrote it in my, my phone in the first quarter, Miles Boykin, before he even scored the touchdown, was blocking so well. And I'm just like, oh man, oh man. Like He was making those big runs, those big chunk plays for Ingram and Lamar with great downfield blocking. And then he got a touchdown. It was awesome. So Miles Boykin, you get my MVP I'm really happy to see this development. I can't wait to see what year two has in store for you. You have all the tools to become a great receiver in this league. I do have some honorable mentions. I want to hear yours as well if you have them. My honorable mentions have to go to James Hurst because he came in like we talked about and basically blocked just as well as Stanley. You didn't notice it. He got an A-plus grading. I mean, awesome, 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 awesome for James Hurst. I also want to bring up two guys I already talked about a little bit, Tyus Bowser with his strip sack and also Jihad Ward for being around the ball, picking it up, and just both those guys in general playing really well the last couple of weeks. So I wanted to mention those guys as well. Honorable mentions for me, talked about him earlier, Jalen Ferguson. While he didn't have a perfect game, had a very good game, I felt, from both a run-stopping and a pass-rushing perspective. And also two of... uh, the big blockers up front, you know, the versatile Nick Boyle and Patrick Ricard, both of them had some punishing blocks. Boyle in particular, man, on that Engram's first run, he had the safety at like the five-yard line and Boyle did not move. He just had that guy <laughs> in the block and it's just an immovable wall. It's just not fair for opposing teams to have to worry about the offensive line and both Boyle and Ricard pulling from wherever Greg Roman has them. Just great games by those guys. Yeah, all good picks. Uh, I was going to mention DeBona Pecco as well. He was going to be my uh, MVP for defense. Awesome game for him. You know, we talked about him enough. He's been a uh, great pickup for us. So with that, we're going to wrap up this episode of Ravens Recap. Thanks, everyone, for sticking around. You can find us all at, you know, wherever you get your podcasts, Google, Apple, wherever. You can uh, reach out to us on Twitter at Ravens Recap underscore in between the words uh, or feedback at RavensRecap.com. We'd love to hear from you guys. 
let us know how we're doing or if, uh, if you have any other takes that you'd like to get on the show. And yeah, we'll be back to uh, preview the, the Browns game that's coming up on the 22nd. Should be a really good one. Hopefully the Ravens will be able to lock up that first seed overall. Which would be a great Christmas present. Indeed. During the week, I guess it's safe to say the quad's fine. Like I said, you guys should have trusted me. You should have left it alone. I told you I was good. <laughs>